sunshining. You know, see that out there? I knew that in time in Ohio, you just have to wait a day or two and things change. I have a friend that's down in South Carolina and uh, every once in a while I get that way. And uh, he keeps saying, you've been kind of come to visit me for two years. You need to take time to come and visit me. So when I heard they had snow in South Carolina, I called and told them I was planning to come, but since you got snow, I'm not coming to South Carolina. So we always enjoy their fellowship. I appreciate all the prayers this morning. My wife did have a a little bit of a spell yesterday, and uh, as of 6 o'clock this morning, she was begging that nurse to let her out to come to church. Uh, She's doing much better. But they were worried that it might have been a, a minor, minor stroke on one side because she never has headaches. And yesterday we were out to a retirement party and just walked in and wasn't there five minutes until she said, oh, I got a pain in the side of my head. I said, are you okay? And she went to move. She said, I'm dizzy. I said, we better sit down. The neighbor came over and tried to talk to her and whatever she was saying wasn't coming out as it ought to come out. And so when she walked away, I said, what did you say? She said, I, I don't know, because what I tried to say didn't come out that way. So I began to question her on some things. She kind of got okay. We went home. She didn't want to do anything about it, but my daughter's a nurse. <laughs> so we were at the hospital, and she stayed the night, and... uh i seen her this morning. She's ready to come home. She's doing fine. She seems to have all of the, the speech back. She seems to be doing well with her memory. And and I uh, wanted to say to everybody here, don't worry about me. I'll be here on Tuesday. I'm doing fine. It was just a clinch that took place. So, But uh, we just wanted to make sure that that's all that it was. Appreciated the children this morning. Thank you for that children's message. And uh, I always love children. I, 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 I don't know, some of you older folks will remember Art Linklater's uh, back with all the children. Children say the funniest things. And I have a book on that. I, I love what well, a lot of the things that children have said. And it kind of reminds me of the, uh, of the mother that got on her little boy because he wasn't paying attention in church. He was fooling around and rawing and moving and, and it was drawing attention to everybody but what the preacher was saying. So when he went out that day, she said, Now, I want you to know that next Sunday when you come to church, I'm giving you a pencil and a paper, and I want you to listen to what the preacher says and write it down. Well, he came the next Sunday, and of course, you know, being disciplined, he he took his paper and pencil out, and as the preacher was preaching, he jotted some things down. When he got to the door, he looked at the preacher, he looked up and shook his hand, and he said, uh, Did I hear you say that, that our bodies came from the dust of the earth? The preacher said, Yes, young man, I'm glad you were listening. He said, But didn't you always also say that when we die, we go back to the dust of the earth? And he said, Yeah, you've really been listening. He said, Well, let me say this. You better hurry up and come to our house because up under my bed, somebody's either coming or going. 
Well, children can say the funniest things, you know, and they mean it. They're serious about it when they talk about it, you know. And uh, so I, I've always enjoyed children. But you know, this, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit from uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter number 3, beginning at verse number 1. I'm going to go down through the first six verses. But you know, in life, all of us at some time lose our grip. There's some things that we just sometimes just can't handle, we can't hold on to. And so the Scripture tells us that Jesus, the amazing thing about this Scripture was, I love it because if you read through the book of Mark, it just keeps saying, and another time Jesus went to church, and another time Jesus went to church, and another time Jesus went to church. And it tells me that we ought to go to church, okay? I mean, I picked that up, that it's good to go to the house of the Lord. But it says in chapter 3, and another time Jesus went into the synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and displayed deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Think about that. In the town that I live, there's a young lady that had worked at Wendy's. And when I walked into Wendy's, it always reminded me of this story. Because here was a young lady in there that had her fingers, I can't even make mine work the way she did, but the fingers on the one arm were all twisted and bent. And because of not being able to use that hand, her arm became very small, all the way up to her elbow. But she had a job, and she was trying to do that job. And she was at the cash register, and, and, and at Wendy's at the cash register, when you ring them up and you take the money, then it's your job to fill the glass with ice and drink. And I watched this young lady in amazement as she would try to pull this hand over to take your money. And sometimes if you were, like I was, feeling sorry for her, I would lay the money in her hand so she didn't have to reach for it. And sometimes when she'd go to give me the change, I'd say, forget the change. Because I knew it was a struggle for her. Well, she worked there for about six months and then she disappeared. I went to Home Depot. And there she was. And oh, how I wanted to talk. In fact, I told her, do you know what? You're, you're a special young gal. Do you know that there was a man in the Bible that Jesus talked about that had a hand just like yours? She said, really? 
I said, yeah, go, go to the, do you know the book of Mark? She said, I think so. I said, well, just look in the New Testament under the book of Mark and go to the third chapter and read about it. See, she was in a place of business and nobody wants a preacher holding her up while she's trying to pay. But you know what? I watched her as she tried to put the stuff and slide it across that scanner and how she tried to help you get it into the bag. And I begin to think how terrible that must have been for this young lady. That Jesus talked about a young man in the Scriptures. You see, this Bible story captures my interest as no other story. Because Jesus saw this young man in that synagogue. The man had a crippled hand, and Jesus felt compassion for him. Jesus wanted to heal him. But he knew that when he walked in there and saw those Pharisees, religious people, people of the rule of law, He knew that as soon as he made a move of compassion on that man, that they were going to nail him to the wall. And I'm sure that Jesus thought about this, you know. I just don't want to hurt them. I just don't want people to think badly of me. But I kept thinking about this man with the shriveled hand. And so Jesus said to the man, in spite of them, stand up. And then as he stood him up, he began to point his finger to those religious people and said, what is more important, whether a man lives or dies, whether, whether somebody's healed or not healed, what makes a difference whether it's a Sabbath day or not? And then he said to him, stretch forth your hand. And you know what the Scripture says. You see, when it comes to explaining this Scripture, it's, it's amazing. You know, rules of law sometimes is important, and I'm not against rules. But sometimes I think common sense ought to take place of rules. Uh, you probably heard the story of the, uh, of the uh, agent that had come from, uh, that represented the government that came to a farmer's house one day, knocked on the door of the old farmer and told the farmer, he said, I've come to inspect your fields for illegal drugs. And the farmer said, Well, I didn't think I raised them, but you're welcome to do what you want to do, but I wouldn't go in that field over there. He reached in his back pocket and he pulled out this badge and he said, I want you to know that I can go anywhere, anytime, any place that I want. This badge gives me that privilege. And the farmer said, Well, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to insult you. I just, I just, you know, do what you want to do. The farmer went off to do his work. And the inspector from the government department went on out into the fields, and pretty soon he heard this, this, this inspector yelling from the top of his lung, Help! 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 And he turned to look, and man, he was running as fast as he could, and just about the time that big old red bull was about to gore him. And the farmer, the farmer, run out to the fence and hollered out and said, Show him your badge! Show him your badge! Uh, you know what? Isn't that what we do sometimes with the rules of what Jesus has? Instead of being practical, when it comes to the explanation of this passage, most commentaries that you look at will talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
And with all due respect to that, I could care less about that. I don't care about the man that needs healing. Forget the rules at this point and care about the person that's in need. And that's exactly what Jesus is. I'm more interested in that poor crippled man hand and as Jesus was meeting him. The Sabbath issue, these men were a bunch of men of nothing but rules. They just went to church for one reason, to see whether or not the leader of the church was going to do something that was going to go against their theory and against their theology or against what they do, rather than dealing with the fact that we come here to help people however we help them. Whether you want to pray standing, whether you want to pray with your hands in the air, whether you want to pray at an altar, it makes no difference to me as long as you get through to God. That's what's important. And so when I begin to think, that's the story that I think that, 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 that many of us miss. The poor Richard man entered the synagogue that day as a basket case, but he left well. He left whole. Those in attendance at Capernaum Synagogue that day thought Jesus was cruel. I mean, can you imagine? It doesn't say it, but I can read into the story. Those that were there that were worried about Him doing the wrong thing, they probably thought in their mind, how cruel it is for this man who's a leader, who's speaking, to tell somebody to stand up when he has that withered-looking hand. Because most people that have a crippled hand, if you'll notice, are hiding it. They put it in their pocket all the time. They, they, they don't want people seeing that they're, they're not like everybody else. They're deformed. But Jesus said to this man, stand up before the whole group. And in that group, they probably said, my, my, my. Why would anybody ever do that? Why would they insult him in that way? But you see, Jesus had no intent in insulting. Jesus' intent was to help the man. So when Jesus says to you, to admit your failures, admit your crippling, admit what's going on in your life, stand up to what you are and show it to me, I'm going to tell you something, when we do, something happens. You see, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to go to that altar. There's too many people. Let me tell you something. There's, there's power at that altar. There's power there. Because, you see, when you walk out and kneel on an altar, those that are back there that have faith, who have been to that altar, knows what God can do at that altar, they're praying for you. When you sit there silent in your pew, and, and I'm not saying God doesn't answer prayer in the pew, but I'm going to tell you what, there's a whole better chance of it getting it done when you make it public. And that's what this man did. He, he came forth and Jesus said, as he told him, stand up. And then he stretched out that shriveled hand. I believe that some of the comments that were made there, at least under their breath, but that the highest interest of the crippled man was Jesus knew what he was doing. The handicapped man believed that too or he wouldn't have stood up. For when Jesus commanded him to stand forth, he did. And when Jesus said, stretch out your hand, he did it. Had Jesus not done what he did, the crippled man probably would have left that synagogue that day just as crippled going out as he came in. But you see, he was obedient. I'm here to tell you this morning that our loving Savior is going to make you come to grips with your problem.
If you have that need, whether, you see, it's not just a crippled hand. It can be a, a crippling in your mind. It can be a crippling spiritually. It can be a crippling in your home. It can be a crippling in all kinds of areas of your life. And you've got it, but you have to bring it to the Lord if you want help. And that's what he was saying here. You see, it's your problem and you cannot ignore it Jesus is going to make you and I deal with our needs. And therefore, He's going to say, it's time for you to stand forth. And He may be saying that to you right now. Come to grips with life. Whatever it is that is crippling you spiritually or physically. I'm amazed at the hurting people today who want to blame everybody else. Oh, I hear people all the time, and you know, it's almost troubling. You know, we, they make money on, on television anymore. Every program you get anymore is these psychological people that set you down and they talk to people about, well, when I was a kid, they did this, and when I was, when I was a teenager, they did that, and, and when I was a, a wife, when first got married, we had this, and, and a husband had been, you know, and we blame everybody else. Think about it. Today, everything, everybody's, everybody else's fault. But Jesus is saying it's your fault. You make the decisions that you make. You don't have to say yes. You don't have to go along. You don't have to feel you're persuaded or you'll be looked at differently. My friend, it's your problem and you need to deal with it. And I'm amazed at the people of the blame circumstance and environment and all of these things. But I want to tell you something. As Christians, we need to revert back and realize that right there on that cross, Jesus paid the price for it all. When you came to the foot of the cross and you gave it to Him, let me tell you something. The old things passed away, so you can't blame anybody anymore. And all things, He says, becomes new. And so as a new creature in Christ, we don't have all. All things become new because of the cross. Old things pass away. When I confront the cross, the cross requires us to come to grips with our lives. And that's the reason why the Bible says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And then he goes on to the next verse and says, You have not because you haven't asked. You haven't believed. You haven't trusted. You haven't stood up and asked for it. You see, the problems that most of us have today is because we haven't been honest with ourselves. Jesus said, the Bible says, all who confess with their mouth and believe with their hearts shall be saved, and the old things are gone. Please listen to me carefully at this point, because sometimes people get the idea that, uh, that the gospel is a mind over matter. It's not that at all. I want to tell you something. The gospel is not mind over matter. A Christian is not a person who denies reality. We do not just shut our eyes tightly and hold our breasts and, and until the bad goes away. The gospel has nothing to do with wishing and luck. The Bible has to do with faith. And faith is substance. And so when I begin to think about that, away with this theory, the Tinkerbell theory and theology, and let's get down to the grips of reality and learn how God guides us through life. David had that problem. You remember when David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, now David never denied the fact of death. David didn't deny the fact of death. He declared that however, that he 
didn't have to be afraid to face it. You don't have to be afraid to face anything. When you have God on your side, He will stay with you. He will walk with you. He becomes a part of you. He becomes the very life within you. And so whatever we face, no matter what it is, we realize that God is with us. And God's going to carry us through. Each one of us has a withered hand and cannot grip with something in life, no matter who you are. Every one of us here has had a withered hand, or maybe still has one. There's some things in your life. Perhaps it's a family situation. It can be a withered hand. Perhaps it may be a church situation. Maybe something about that you just have problems with. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a physical handicap. Maybe it's mental pressures. Your withered hand might be the feelings of fear of the unknown, the inability to deal with reality. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not gloss over those things. It tells us how to handle them. Our Savior calls us to stand forth, stretch out those weaknesses, present them to Him. And you know what? When we do, He can fix it. When you, when you give it to Him, He can fix it. You, you remember... You remember the man that came to the temple, was carried every day, that laid the, 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 the fellow that was, that, that couldn't walk, and, and Peter and John came out, and they came for the hour of prayer, and there sat this guy who had been there forever. People had brought him, they had carried him and set him down because they knew even as it is today, most people know the most charitable people are going to be Christian people. <laughs> so they sat at the gate, and he sat there begging alms, begging for money. I was like that because I, I read that story and, and, and it amazes me because he said to Peter and, and John, uh, uh, he wanted some money and they said, silver and gold have we none. And I used to say that was a church of God preacher. <laughs> silver and gold have we none. But that which we do have we give unto you. And you know what he did? They gave unto that crippled man the Word, the faith, the belief, the power. And they said they took him by the hands and they prayed for him and they lifted him up on his feet that he hadn't been on in years. And they held him until his legs got strong. And you know what? Those legs begin. I can almost imagine as Peter and John, one on each side, holding on to this man. And as they begin to sense that he was able to stand a little bit, he had some, he had some strength in his legs. And they begin to feel those muscles begin to form. They begin to see that he was getting stronger. And when he got strong enough, you know what he did? He ran into the house of God. Upset their whole service. Because nothing ever happened inside like happened outside. They went in for prayer as a ritual, as a rule. They went there at a certain hour. You had to be quiet. You couldn't do anything. It had to be done their way. And here come this fellow who had just been healed by the power of God. He walked through the temple, couldn't figure out why nobody else was excited. He began to shout and praise the Lord and move up and down that place. And they said, isn't that the guy that sat at the gate all those years? Why? Because he stood up. He pushed himself forth, and God met the need. You see, the problem with a lot of us is we're afraid to stand up and afraid to allow God to use our faith. 
And so I begin to think about what I'm saying to you today. You have to face your life squarely. The difference between you and someone without Christ is in Christ you have the power to overcome weaknesses. We have power to overcome it. The Christ who restored the man with the withered hand is the one who will restore you and I today. He will meet our needs. But not until we are willing to deny. As long as we live in denial... As long as we don't have the faith, as long as we back away. Jesus said, I'm the truth. You know what? This Bible is true. Now, there's a lot of people that preach it, a lot of people that, that look at it and try to interpret it. But I'm going to tell you something. This is a book of truth. And Jesus talked about that. He said, if you want His intervention in your life, you must deal with truth. and You must come to the understanding not under false pretenses, not under untrue declarations, you know, I hear people say, well, I've had a lot of people say, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I just be a little careful on some people, you know. There's a lot of people that have these ailments and have a lot of these diseases and have a lot of these problems that, that's inheritable. That, that's just something that they, that, that's part of their life. It's part of, of their, uh, what, what do we have today? Going back to in ancestry, you know. I, you know, I'm not looking at my ancestry because somebody told me one time, I never looked at it, but somebody told me one time, I, I was an ancestor to one of those old crooks way back there, you know. I, I know one thing, I, the ancestry has changed when I came to the cross. Jesus made a difference in my life. And so when Jesus said, as His Father, God is a Spirit and they worship Him in spirit and in truth. So Jesus is saying to you and me today, stand forth, get a grip on the fact that you are some real problems in your life. Now there's some problems, let me tell you something, sometimes a problem can be a problem of pride. Pride can cripple you if you're not careful. You're going to see some other problems in life. Temper. Some people say, well, that's just the way they are. No, 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 no. I'm going to tell you something. My God can control that temper. And that temper will cripple you. It will destroy you if you're not careful. Sometimes you see the problem might be that of an attitude. You know, there's some people, no matter how good it is, they can look at something. The blessing, the biggest blessing there is, they can make it negative because of their attitude. Sometimes attitudes cripple people. A sin that no one else knows about in your life. Maybe it's unbelief. I'm going to tell you something. We need to get a grip on the fact that there are some real problems in our life. But listen to Jesus' second command and the problems of life. Listen to what Jesus said secondly. He not only told the man to stand up, but He said stretch it forth. Now that's the hard part. One thing for you to stand up and hold it inside. But it's something else for you to confess it. To open up. To say, yes, Lord, I do need this help. It's not, you know what he said? Stretch forth your hand. Not, now, I notice something. It didn't say stretch forth somebody else's hand. It said stretch forth your hand. Now, a lot of times, you know, we, we can see the problems in other people. We can tell other people. It's easy for us to tell other people how to live and how to do and how to handle problems. But what about us? You see, Jesus was talking to you and me. You will never get past the crippling element of life until you admit it's your problem. It's no one else's. It's yours. Do you really think that your father or your mother, after all these years, is still the problem in your life? 
Oh, I, I know there's been some problems. I know there's been some uh, some time back in life. You know, there's probably been those times when things have happened in life that shouldn't have happened. But you know what? You're an adult. You've moved beyond that. Why do you still carry that? Why don't you bury that and put it behind? Abuse this and abuse that. You know, people are making money on abuses today. I mean, the testimonies of abuses. What about the testimonies of what God can do in your life? What about that? I'm not the man I used to be. Stretch forth your hand, Jesus said. In our eyes, it was impossible. If, if that young lady that I told you about that lives in Medina, Ohio, if she were here this morning and, and, and I called her forward and told her to stand up and show you that hand and show you, and then I told her, I want you to begin to use them fingers. I want you to be, you know, a lot of you, a lot of you say, well, that preacher's crazy. She can't do that. Well, I don't have that power, but God does. And that's exactly what it is. You see, it may be in crippled hand, crippled fingers, crippled thumb. It may have been the wrist that wasn't working. But you know what? You've got some things in your life that is crippling you that may have nothing to do with your hand. But it's crippling you. It's keeping you from having the power of God in your life. It's keeping you from moving up the ladder. It's keeping you from being the Christian that you ought to become. It's keeping you from having the testimony you ought to have. It's keeping you from witnessing to those out there that will bring them in here. You see, what we need to do is we need to realize that all of us have something that is holding us back. And when God reveals that to us, my friend, we need to come. You see, we need to come to Him and say, Lord, as we stretch it out, Lord, I, I just don't want to live this way anymore. I want to give it to You. I want You to take care of that need. I want to become a different person. And you know what? God will do it. I thought about that young man. It was an impossible order for that pathetic cripple to stretch forth that shriveled hand. But in faith, he made the effort. In faith, when, when Jesus said, stretch it out, I, I, I can almost imagine. He was standing there and every eye was on him and Jesus said, stretch it out. And as he began to stretch it, he began to feel the popping of the bones. He began to feel the flesh stretching. He began to feel the muscle begin to build in that hand. And, then, and it wasn't long until that not only did he stretch it out, he probably was waving it. Because God had done something special for him. You see, that's the way it is with our lives. God wants us to place it in His care. He wants us to stretch it out. Have you lost your grip? Have there something in your life that you can't handle any longer? Let me tell you something. God can handle it. He can do it today because my Bible tells me in the old book of Hebrews it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and will be forever. So what He did back there, He can do now. Now let me give you proof of it. I pastor the state of Tennessee. While I was there, almost everywhere we've been, we built something. Well, this particular time, this is 50 years ago, we built a house. I mean, we literally built the house ourselves along with fellows in the church. And it was amazing the way that we built this house. I never, never in my life, you know, they laid out a plan. We, you, we bought this house from a lumber company. If you go down south, you see a lot of houses. A house with a carport on it. 
You either got the carport on the left or the right. Otherwise, the house was the same. We bought the house. So, you know, at the lumberyard, ordered it, and they told us we had this certain amount of money. You know what they did on a Sunday morning? I couldn't believe it. Of course, you know, I was young. I was just a kid. And, and you know, they, they said, we're going to, we got a little preacher, call a little preacher. Little preacher, you're going to get this house. He needs his house back here. We got the property right behind the church. A little preacher, we're going to, we're going to get him this house back here. And, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to raise some funds, folks. So I'm going to pass a hat. And literally, they passed a hat. The fellow took all of that. Passed that hat. He said, we need tomorrow, Monday morning, we need $572. I'm going to pass the hat. I was amazed. They got $592. Took it over and put it on it, and the next, next couple of weeks later, come back and said, we got to have a little more money now. It's, it's coming down. They're working on it. we got it set up on a program. You know something? They built that house cash money. Didn't even use a check. Huh? Cash money. But I had a family in the church that helped build it. And fellas show up, he'd go out squirrel hunting in the morning. He, I, I'd go out there. I thought I was doing pretty good getting out there at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'd get out there and I'd see a Wes's car and I'd say, where in the world he's at? Half hour later, he'd come back and he had a gun in his hand. He'd been out squirrel hunting. He said, didn't want to make any, any, and didn't want to ask you to come in early. Didn't want anybody else to come in earlier. So yeah, I'd just get up and I'd go squirrel hunting. I'd come back. You know what? He and his family on retirement. He worked in a school, custodian of school. He didn't make any money. Back then, less the two of them made less than $500 a month. One day he said to me when they were raising the money, he said, the pastor, he said, are you going to the hospital in Clarksville this week? I said, oh yeah, I go every week. He said, would you, would you mind me riding along and we go over by Bumpus Mills? I said, that's a town. That's literally a town. Bumpus Mills, Tennessee. I go over to Bumpus Mills. He said, I want to go to the bank over there. I want to talk to the banker. I walked into the bank and he asked the girl, he asked her the banker, the head of the bank. And he came out and he said, this is our very pastor. He said, uh, I want you to know who he is and meet him. And I shook his hand and he stood there and talked a little bit. He said, now we're, we're doing a little project over there. He said, and Alan and I decided that we wanted to give $500. I want to make him $500 a month. He said, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to, we, we want to do our part. We want to do our part. He said, I won't give $500. He said, would you loan me $500 still? He said, we'll pay you back. He said, we, we'll pay you back in a few months. He turned to that girl and said, get Wesley $500. It's a bank. She came over there with $500 bills. They shook hands. We walked out and I got in the car and said, Wes, you didn't sign no papers. Oh, I said, no. He said, I know him. I've known him for years. No, no we don't need to sign papers. You know why? Because Wesley had, an, uh, had a reputation that that banker knew that he'd pay him back. It's amazing. I mean, I was totally floored. I thought, when are we going to raise the money? Where are we going to borrow the Why don't we get the loan before we talk about building? But they didn't. But you know what? We got it finished. We had a big dedication. It was a big deal. But Wes's wife, for the last year, was unable to attend church. She was on the same road as the church. I'd stop every other day or whatever. I'd see her sitting on the porch. I'd get off. Get out and talk to her and have prayer with her. Couldn't come to the dedication. 
But she said to her daughter, she said, oh, I just love to be able to go and I'd love to be with all the people, but I can't. But she said, I'd sure like to go see it. And her daughter told me that. I said, well, well, we'll just bring her up. We'll just bring her up and let her go through. We don't, that's fine. So when the day dedication was over, the Sunday was over, that afternoon, oh, about three or four o'clock in the afternoon, we go down and, and, and load her in the car and bring her to the house and she walks through and oh, she's just so amazed, you know, cause she's living in an old log cabin. I got a brand new house. She's looking at this house and oh, I'm just so proud. Everything was proud down there. I'm just so proud that we could have this. I'm so proud that we got this. I'm so proud of what you've done and what happened. I would just wish that somehow I could get back in church and I, I just, I just miss it so much and I'm just so proud of what's happening and, and she was just weeping by then. And I walked over to her and I said, Sister Ellen, why don't we just pray about your situation? She said, well, Brother Swagger, I, I, I would like that. And I've been prayed for a lot of times. But she said, uh, I just don't trust myself. She had a bowel problem that couldn't control. I mean, there was just no signs of anything happening. It just happened. And so we reached out and we took the will and we anointed her and prayed for her. She went home. Seven o'clock in the evening. Her daughter calls. And uh, she's a daughter. Some daughters can really yell. They can make a lot of noise. What am I doing wrong there? i got to keep my hands shut. Uh, her daughter's on the other end of the phone. She's, brother Swagger, Brother Swagger, Brother Swagger, Mother, 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 Mother. I said, what? Wait a minute. Slow down. Slow down. What's wrong with Mom? I felt I'm feeling guilty. I took her out. I took her to where she shouldn't have been, and uh, and I'm feeling. She said, "No, oh, mom, mom, you got you can't believe this." And I said, I, "I'll I'll be right there." It's less than a half a mile. I, we jumped in a car and we went down. And you know what it was? For the first time in over a year, she can control her bowels. God healed her in that parsonage that day, and she came back to church. And next Sunday was there until I left. Why? Because she finally came to... Who wants to talk about that? Who wants to express that? But she stood, and she claimed it. And when she did, God straightened it out. What I'm saying to you this morning is that there are things in our life that cripples us. And sometimes because of our lack of faith and sometimes because of our embarrassment, sometimes because we don't want everybody else to know, but i got news for you. God knows it all. And what He's saying to us, stand up, stretch it out. Let me take care of it. I want to tell you something I believe with all of my heart today. There are some things in our lives that cause us to be less than we should be. And we need to stand forth today. We need to stretch that thing out before God. And that withered factor, my friend, we need to present it to Jesus. And there is nothing, nothing He cannot do. God can do all things. But He can't begin the healing physically, spiritually, whatever it might be until we are willing they say, God, I've really got the need. And I have the faith. 
to believe that your word says that you can take care of it. I believe with all my heart God can handle that today. I've seen it happen. I could tell you story after story after story of great things that God has done in the life of the church when people believed, when they trusted, when they looked to Him. And I believe today that God will meet the needs if you will just apply it to Him. Let us stand as we pray. Heavenly Father, I believe today there are so many parts of people's lives you would love to heal. If they'd only just present them to you, but instead of standing forth and stretching forth their hands or keeping these matters to themselves, thinking and hoping and wishing that they would go away, and it never happens. But today I pray, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would work and start doing a moving in the hearts and the lives, reviving hope and faith again. Help them to stand forth, present their infirmities, and ask you to meet that need today. For Lord, you promised in your word that you would never leave us or forsake us, that you would help us in every situation of life. So Father, we pray today for those that stand in this building. Whatever that need is, Lord, you know what it is and they know what it is. We pray that this would be the day that they would stand and say, God, this is the day that I'm expecting and believing that you're going to do something special in my life. Send them out of here today, total assurance that their faith has worked and they go forth well again. Well, we ask it now in Jesus' name. Will you respond as we sing? Ask God to meet that need.